Welcome to podcast number three of Bass Talk with Hagen and Hayes. Today's topic is standing or sitting with a double bass. So, Susan Hagen, do you always sit to play? That's such a good question, David Hayes. <laughs> um, I used to only sit to play, right. but when I teach, I find that I stand a lot. Just It's mm. just easier for space. Um, when I started playing bass, I stood all the time. And um, I had, as a kid, I had scoliosis. So right. for people who don't know that that's a curvature of the spine. And as I got older, it got quite severe. Right. And um, I would have muscle spasms in my back. And it was not base related, right. it was just life related. And I found that sitting relieved the stress on my my legs and so my back stayed nice and loose so i started sitting probably about a year or two after i started playing the bass um and i stayed sitting you know i had non-bass related the scoliosis issue huh. was a challenge through my entire well <laughs> life <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely, you know, I had surgery for it when I was in high school. So it yeah. definitely impacted a lot of my just day-to-day -day things that I did. Um, so I sat and I found that when I sat, I was super comfortable. The only time my back didn't hurt was when I was playing the bass. The rest of my day, my back was very uncomfortable. Um, so I still sit. I know it means lugging a stool, which seems so dumb it seems like a waste <laughs> of energy and it's another thing to carry and it makes putting things in my car even bulkier um but i just did so much of my what i consider my formative training in college while sitting and what was interesting is i'm thinking back every student when i was in college and in grad school every student in my teacher's studio we all sat I think and, it was the same for us. I, yeah. I started playing. I, um, I sat. Mm -hmm. um, and, and this was the, the mid-1970s. Um, and at that time, Gary Carr was just coming on the scene. And in Britain, almost everyone sat and used French bow. And <laughs> suddenly there was this American uh, chap coming who stood to play and used a German bow. Um, and it was like chalk and cheese. It was unbelievable. It was, yeah. it was like the devil incarnate in Britain. It was unbelievable. <laughs> Really, because all the, the ones who sat and used French bow were right, and everybody else who stood and used German bow were wrong. Oh, um, gosh. So it was quite strange. But I, I was thinking about this when I was thinking about what we we're going to talk about today. Mm -hmm. And I suddenly remembered that when I started to play, I sat as well, because I think <sighs> my dad sat. But I've gone through sitting, standing, sitting, standing, sitting, standing, okay. and yeah. now I only stand. Mm -hmm. uh, but my students do both. I try and get them to 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 learn both because if you're sitting um you don't understand the balance of the bass right when you're standing you have to learn about the balance of the bass otherwise yeah. it's very difficult to play and i think it's good to have the the choice of both but right. I, 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 do, I remember what you mean about carrying a stool around it is something yeah. else to carry another um, thing to lug <laughs> it, it is and it's it's i can understand why people stand but if you're in an orchestra and you've got a three-hour rehearsal or six-hour rehearsal Oh, yeah. Only an idiot would stand for six hours. And I think that's, permanent. yeah, I think that's part of why, at least in America, when I was going through school, everyone sat because we were all training to be orchestral players. So mm. why would you stand? And I remember one day I went to see Ed Barker, my teacher, play 
chamber music and he was standing right. and I almost keeled over because, you know, he sat for everything. Right. And I remember thinking, what is he doing? And I, I talked to him afterwards. I said, oh, so I noticed you're standing. And he was like, yeah, I think it's, it's good. You know, I, I think my body, you know, likes just, just having a different way of playing. But right. I remembered then that he would experiment with stool heights or mm -hmm. is the seat of the stool tilted forward a little bit to, to make him sit up better. Um, which is why, you know, most of my students at Berkeley, I'd say 98% of them stand. Which yes. is part of why I don't mind standing when I teach because I can, like you say, talk about balancing the the bass and how to use my body to get around and to, to help support the bass so my left hand isn't doing all the work. Um, but also, a lot of my students will play gigs where there's not a lot of physical space. Yes. Yeah. And being able to stand definitely cuts down on how much space you need, your footprint, if you were on yeah. stage. Um, so I think for them, it's it's practical, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I also remember, I don't know if you ever ran into this because you didn't, you know, you go through the phases. Sitting, oh, the stool had to be like an exact height for a long time for me. And it was really hard. So I would have to bring my own stool. And I would go to Symphony Hall to take lessons in Boston. Mm -hmm. And I'd bring my own stool. And finally, I think I was playing for Larry Wolf at the time. And he said to me, Susan, I don't get it. Why are you bringing your stool? I said, well, it's, it's mine and it's the right height. And he looked at me and he's like, okay, it's time to add a little flexibility into your life here. So I stopped bringing a stool to Symphony Hall, which I, there's like 25 or 30 stools just sitting around the building, probably more actually. And so I would grab one that looked close-ish to the height yes. that I liked so that it's not like three inches off. But yes. I realized we have this wonderful thing on our bases called an end pin. <laughs> you can adjust the height. <laughs> um, and that made me realize for my standing students too, a um, little bit, this happens with the boys, but it also happens more, I think, with the girls. Heel height of your shoes yes. impacts how you're approaching the instrument. And I always make sure to point out to my students, if you're wearing higher heels and, mm -hmm. you know, boys sneakers can be this way too. They're almost like on a, a higher platform. It's like, look at it and you might need to bop your end pin out. You know, most of my students have the end pins with the notches, Yes. but I have end pins with no notches and it's mm -hmm. just like a little, a little, um, clamp to close it. So yes. I can put it anywhere I want. I really like oh. that. Um, but you've got to be aware when you're sitting and standing. Do you come into this where you've got to think about the height of the base if your shoes are different? All the time. And I, I say this to students because sometimes a student will arrive and they've got school uniform on. Sometimes they're going to, to games or PE afterwards mm -hmm. so that they're already ready. So they're wearing different um, shoes. Right. Um, and then they, they put the, the base at the normal height and suddenly <laughs> it's the wrong height. And you have to explain that it, it does change because of, of what you're wearing. But I, I remember when I was in Prague with Frantisek Poshka, he always said, sit in the orchestra and stand for solos. Mm. And I thought that was really, really good advice. But then I remembered that in, in England, one somebody, I think in London, somebody had said, well, all, all the notes are different. They're all in different places. And I thought, oh, that's, that, yeah, they're right. And then afterwards I thought, well, you could practice a bit harder. And you can right. practice standing and sitting. And so you know where they are. And then you have a choice. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, but it was amazing with, with, with Gary Carr because Gary came in and I loved all, everything that he was doing because he was he was different. Um, and when I remember when we were sitting, the bass sat on you and that was it. It didn't move. Mm. But then the, the one thing I've realised is really you're as, almost as flexible sitting as standing yeah. if you want to be. Yes. If you want the bass just to sit there, it will sit there. If you want to have movement, you can yeah. still move even if you're sitting. Yes. Uh, and that's the nice thing. And and the one thing I always tell my students is it doesn't matter whether you stand or sit, French or German or player, you can either play in tune or you can't. It right. makes no difference at all. Yeah. But yeah. I, I do understand about sitting in an orchestra. I, I, years ago, I once heard a, a Russian orchestra who came to London mm -hmm. and half the basses sat and half them stood. Um, mm. so, so I would have put all the sitters in the front row and all the standards <laughs> at the back, but they didn't. They're right. just, you know, so, and it looked really quite untidy. They did <laughs> play magnificently, but it didn't look good. Sure. Um, and if all the basses are sitting, it does look quite impressive. It does. It does. We in the Boston Symphony, there's one fellow who stands, but from the he's on the end of the first row usually. Um, from the audience's perspective, you can't really notice the difference because he and his stand partner, his stand partner sits, but they look great together, so you can't mm -hmm. notice the difference. And everyone else sits. Yeah. Um, but you know that's one of the things that you were you were just mentioning flexibility. Mm. I remember that. Uh, I came into school in college and I was very stiff when I sat. I thought I had to sit incredibly still um, because people would make fun of bass players who emoted too much when they played and they made like, you know, you took up, you needed a wingspan of like maybe 12 feet in each direction You're for this. You're not enough money to emote. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but. I realized a couple of things would happen. Um, you get stiff and tight yeah. if you're not moving. And I thought, well, that's not how I am. I, I move a little bit. But it took me a while to find the balance of am I sitting and moving the bass? Is the bass still? Is my body moving? Mm -hmm. um, but I remember I had played a St. Matthew's Passion, which is a you know, very, very long, three-hour-long piece. And an older gentleman once again came up to me at the end of the concert and he said i loved watching you play it yes. looked like a ballerina and i immediately thought wait a second he didn't say you sounded good and ballerinas oh gosh maybe i'm moving too much yes. and so i really i went home that day and i started analyzing as i tend to overthink i thought am i moving my body to try to shape the phrase yes. if someone isn't watching are they hearing the phrase mm. or are they only seeing it from the way i move so i i made sure i sort of redid what i how i move how i sit and making sure that the musicality is coming from the, my bass mm. but i still the bass moves um i move myself but it's not like showy dancey look at me i'm shaping a phrase but it's more like keeping my body loose and yeah you know, not stiff. Now, do you find when you stand and you're playing for long periods of time, does your body get stiff or tired? No, I, I think probably I've done it for so long. Um, that makes that sense. It's okay. And when I teach, you know, I, I start teaching at something like eight in the morning and I might go on until 4.30 or five o'clock. Um, and I've been standing up for a lot of that time. But I there's a piano stool. I, I, I play the piano a lot with my students. Sure. And sometimes I just sit on the piano stool and have the, the bass sort of sitting out in front of me. 
Um, mm. And I can still play it as long as the end pin goes into the carpet um, right. so the place doesn't move. I can still play a lot of the things to demonstrate what I'm doing. So I, I, I'm standing and sitting all the time. But I've got yeah. some students who have always sat and are really happy. And I've got some who have always stood and are really happy. Um, but right. I, I think there's a happy medium. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think if you're going to become an orchestral player, you have to learn to sit because the the rehearsals aren't very, very long. I'm lucky that my rehearsals are never three hours long. It's, <laughs> it's, it's really, it's much easier for me. Yeah. Um, it's much easier. And I'm, I'm not standing for such, such a long space of time. Um, but yeah, but you do get older and, and there are more aches and pains as, as you get older. <laughs> Yes. I, I, I enjoyed sitting. I, I enjoyed, um, yeah, it, it was different because I, I, I enjoyed the flexibility because I, I think I always moved anyway when I played. Yeah. So that didn't uh, stop me. Um, but I, for some reason, I've come back to standing and I, I sort of haven't gone back. Now, when you stand and you talk to a student about how to balance the bass mm. what's your advice because i think you know a lot of people use bent end pins and things like that now but mm. i still think for those of us that don't well mm. how do you tell them to, to make sure that they're not just sort of holding the bass up with their left hand oh it's interesting i had one student who was uh she had a, a francois rabath end pin which yes. is the curved end pin and um i couldn't play the bass because i couldn't like, the, the balance is so oh. different I, I went to his apartment years ago. We had, went, went out for dinner. I was doing a master class at Paris Conservatoire. And I went out for dinner with Francois Rabat and Thierry Barbet. Yes. And before that, we went to uh, Francois' apartment. And he showed me this new end pin. Yeah. And I remember the, the, the balance of the bass. It, was, it felt like there was no weight to the bass at all. It was yeah. unbelievable. It was fantastic. But I think you have to get used to it. So, so with, with Connie, I, I used to say, you'll have to hold the bass for me because the bass used to move when I was trying <laughs> to play her bass. But the, the balance thing is is a really good one. And you, you just learn just by doing it. And you feel it's sort of upright-ish, mm -hmm. but it can't be upright. And if the weight is too far one way and then it moves falls too quickly, then it's wrong. There should be a space where you've just got a couple of seconds just before and if you've got that couple of seconds it's about right but then also then moving into thumb position right then have to, you then have to pull the, the bass back so that you back move into, you. into thumb position and then move back yeah. um yeah. but it, it's I, I like teaching the freedom and I, yeah. I get students playing high much earlier than ever I was taught mm -hmm. um, but the balance of it I, I I love it and I never even think but but I spend a lot of time teaching students where to to stand with the bass and how the yeah. bass Sits with you. And somebody once said to me, um, it should be like a, like a milking stool. They always have mm. three legs. And yeah. if you have a stool which has three legs, it balances. If you have a stool which has two legs, it doesn't balance. No. And that's always the thing is you've got your two legs and the, the end pin. And as long as your balance is give or take right. Yeah. It's okay. But again, I've had pupils who stand behind the base. Right. Um, because they're not really balancing it properly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that you can't do it. It's right. But there's a plate and then another student who stands too far around the base. So therefore, right. um, he can't play at the heel of the bow because <laughs> his arm won't let him. You know, yes. they all have to learn all these things. Right. Um, yeah. But sitting, I, I, I did enjoy for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I have um, I have a class that's called Elementary Bass right. at Berkeley, and it's for mostly electric players, although I'll, I'll get 
a, a guitar player or a singer on occasion too. And they want to learn to play double bass, but they haven't had a ton of experience, sometimes none, mm. which I actually don't mind because they're adults. I can talk to them um, very high level of intelligence, which is great. Yeah. Um, but they also don't have bad habits yet, which I kind of like. Yes. But I, I do this little thing where I say like, you know, you want it, it, we call it upright bass, but it can't be upright 90 degrees. Yes. It's got to lean in towards you. And then I, I, I speak about the body a little bit and I always sort of warn them. I say, okay, now I'm going to talk about bodies. So don't get freaked <laughs> out. But you want the corner, like the shoulder of the base, the corner of it to lean in towards your belly. And for me, if you look at where your belly button is, for me, it's a little bit to the left of my belly button. For you, it might be a little to the right. It doesn't matter. It's going to be somewhere around there. Um, and then we talk about, you know, your shoulders can't, your feet need to be sort of level with where your shoulders, not way far apart, not super close to each other. Um, and so I get kind of specific with them. And then we talk about thumb position and uh, how to get in and out. And yeah, like you said, moving the base closer in towards yes. you. And I make them laugh but I use a bad word. I say, but. I say <laughs> That's them, exactly keep... what I was thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I explain, you want to keep your feet where they are, kind of move your butt back a little bit yeah. and have the base come in towards you. And the yeah. base does the work that way. And then you stand back up and, and, you know, you want to keep your back straight no matter what. You're not going to be hunched and crouched over, but then you bring your butt and your stomach forward to come out of thumb position so that it's like a gradual transition and when and i say the to them now, the gradual. yes yeah. yes it's the gradual because a lot of them will sort of get to like an f sharp and then they lunge and that's so we it. work on these sort of in and out of thumb position pieces in fact that is one of the things that i had you create because <laughs> you know scales scales are great scales are important arpeggios are crucial all of that but i remember being a student and thinking, well, I can do my scales in and out of thumb position, but I can't play my music. Yes. And I thought, my God, what do I do? So as a teacher, I found that to be very frustrating. So I had, I asked you to write some music. Mm -hmm. You wrote the collection Scaling the Heights yes. to go from what I call the danger zone, that region right before thumb position into thumb position and back. And it's great. The students love it. The music, they're short pieces that they can learn in a week. So they feel like they've achieved something. It's not like, oh, hey, let's learn the Bodicini elegy. This yeah. week, you've never come in and out of thumb position in anything but a scale. So have fun, which was what happened to me. <laughs> That's I how I writing. learned. I really enjoyed writing them. And one, once oh. I worked out, it was every major and minor key. Yeah. I, I knew what I was doing. Um, that book is awesome. <laughs> thank you. But it was, it's nice as well that sometimes you can play across the string. You stay in thumb position yes. to play an F. Sometimes you come back to play an F. Right. And that's, it's interesting to teach students how to, um, wh where you're going to play an F and why you're going to play right. the F. How to make that decision. And I've, I've um, just done that with the hairful pieces I've written because nice. they got in and out of thumb position. Yes. It's, it's, it's like an extension of scaling the heights. In fact, that's how I used it this past yeah. semester. It was great. They'd do some scaling the heights and then I'd give them a hairdo piece, which mm. was also they loved because there was then a piano accompaniment. Yes. So mm. then there was a collaboration and those are so well written too. Thank you. I, I, I've enjoyed writing them. Whenever I write, certainly if it's for younger players, yeah. uh, which, which these were sort of some of my, my younger players, the idea was there's always a, um, an educational aspect to them. Yes. Um, and it, it, I think it's important. But I, I, I was talking to a student the other day about this. I tried to make sure that I had hidden the technical issues 
within yes. the so they don't know they're learning about yep. uh, positions and shifting and moving in and out of thumb position um, and bow control and numbers of notes per bow and all these things yeah um, well but it's still there i think the hope is if if we as teachers do it right you know learn the pieces and scaling the heights they're mm. going to have the technique to now get in and out of thumb position Yes. Give them the sweet and bohemia. Is that what that collection is sweet called? Sweet and bohemia, yes. Yes. Yeah. Give them that. Now it's music. Yes. They've got the technical chops. They might not be like completely 100% reinforced because they're new. So yes. these pieces can help reinforce that technique in with music, with beautiful pieces. I have to say those pieces are gorgeous. And then when they get through those two things, the Scaling the Heights collection and the Sweet and Bohemia, they should be pretty unstoppable. But yeah. you do a great job of hiding it. You know, no one's going to think, oh, God, here comes that hard shift. They're going to be like, oh, this is that beautiful part where it just wants to sing. But everything I'm, I'm thinking about with, with those, um, I'm thinking in terms of scales and arpeggios and positions yeah. um, and where you move up the string, where you move across the string. So it's, but as I said, I, I try to, to hide the fact um yeah. and the, the suite in bohemia I'm, I'm really happy with it's it's quite a few of my students are playing them i went um izzy uh, i wrote a legend for her and mm -hmm. she's premiering that i think on the 4th of june and she loves nice. it but she's an ex-cellist so straight away she's still playing with it's still a cello feel she's not quite a bass player yet yeah um because yeah. she's had to learn to reduce the number of notes per handshake right Right. Being a cellist, you have a perfect fourth at least in your handshake. Now yeah. she has a, just a, a tone, a step, <laughs> which is it's, completely different. It's quite a shock uh, for cellists. It is, but she she's suddenly understanding um, how to to really make the bass sing, which is nice. And you were talking earlier about carrying a stool yeah. um, with a bass, which I, I remember doing. Oh wow, many many times. <laughs> and I suppose the thing is. If you start to play the bass, you know it's big and cumbersome and you need a big car um, and you probably have to carry a stool as well. Right. And if you don't want any of those problems, don't play the bass. Yeah, well, you know, that's one of the things my argument was in for a penny, in for a pound. I've got a big <laughs> instrument. What's it matter if I'm carrying something else? Exactly. And I used to joke, oh, well, I carry the bass on my left shoulder. Like, you know, I have a wheel and then I've got yes. the stool in my right hand. And I always joke, I say, it evens me out, which is a big lie. It just means I'm carrying something else. And now my husband laughs. and He's like, I know you're lying. I'm taking your stool. <laughs> but, all you know, students, all yeah. my students have wheels. Yes. Uh, because where, where the school is, it's on, on many different sites. Mm -hmm. um, where my teaching room is is nowhere near the concert hall or right. the small concert hall right. um and they've got lots of cobbles because it's an old city yeah. um, uh, so they have wheels which yeah. means carrying a stool is no effort at all it's really we, not a big we deal. didn't have stool uh, wheels in my day Me, well you know what we had them but they were only for kids that were big babies and you know we'd joke about oh you have a wheel life must be tough and it was bad it was like this macho thing if you carried your bass you were a real bass player and now i think you know people are really more into body awareness and yes. yoga and pilates and body mapping and all these things where we just don't want to damage our bodies doing something that yes. we could avoid but it's true a wheel makes the bass quite transportable it's just not a big deal 
and um, they're not expensive. I, I just no. give a link on on the internet and get people to buy them. Yes, um, and and they they put the wheels on. It takes them, you know, twenty seconds. Yeah, it's just it's worth so it. simple, and and they just all walk up and down um, well with these bases. It's amazing, and yep. but that's the, the thing about being a bass player is you just get on with it. It's, you do. It's, I think we just we've got no choice. If you want to play the bass, often you're going to have to carry a stool. As a stander, I love it that I don't have to carry a stool. I have to say, um, it, it, yeah, I do feel quite good. Um, the, the problem I have then with the standing is you have to make sure that the, the floor is okay. Because yes. um, if the balance of the bass moves slightly, suddenly the bass sort of falls away from you. Right, right. So if I'm you... playing in a church, I always have to take a, a small carpet with me because ah. I don't know if it's going to be carpet on the floor. I don't know if it's going to be wood. I don't know if it's yeah. going to be um, cement or... or right, right. I just, you have no idea. So I always yeah. take something with me. That's uh, smart. Just to make sure. My um, end pin, mm. it's a carbide tip. Right. So it's like carbon fiber with titanium. It's all these great things. It stabs into everything and it stabs into things it shouldn't but yes. i can i can hold a grip on a cement um marble although i really don't want to because yeah. it usually means i'm in a church and i don't want to like deface the place yeah. but it will stab and hold into absolutely any surface which the reason why i like that is when i play out at tanglewood with the boston symphony the stage there um there are risers and the bases yes. are on risers and I don't know what they're made of, but it's it's very slippery. It looks like wood, but it does not s respond to an end pin really? the way it would. And so we used to all have like rock stops or the anchors that attach to the bottom of the stool. Yes. And when I found these end pins, Dennis Roy helped me find it. I said to him, I can stab into that stage it's at Tanglewood. You know, when the bass slips and you're sitting, it whacks your collarbone it and it hurts. And and I know when you're standing and it slips, it's a disaster too. So I love having this end pin. I can just sort of jab it in and I'm good to go. <laughs> we also, with the Boston Pops Esplanade, when we're touring, sometimes we play in like hockey arenas and we bring our own right. stage and I know it's not plastic, but it feels like plastic and it's, um, yeah. it's textured and everyone's end pins slip. And so we'll, we'll ask for like gaff tape and they put a, an X and people stab into that. But with my carbide. You said there was a stage. I know. You all go around on the ice. On the ice. <laughs> well, there's oftentimes ice underneath us and man, it's cold. <gasps> it's really bad. But with my carbide tip on my end pin, I just go boop. And it does, I don't even have to shove it in. It's just a mm -hmm. gentle, put it onto the stage and I'm good to go. I can even unfortunately spin my base safely, which is one of those things that happens, which I have a love hate relationship with the spinning, but you know, that's a story for another day. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I try not to spin my base and I try to spin my students not to because it only goes one way, if I'm honest. Oh, we've had, we've, this, this might be a future podcast. We have had spinning moments. Oh, so many different things can go wrong, but the crowd can love it. And when it's a, an orchestra like the Boston Pops, they're going to be into it. But that's a topic for, for I think, I think when we come over to Boston next year, I think we're going to have to practice this swinging our bases around oh oh yeah i can teach you that. i should actually teach a class of that because i actually 
and the Boston Pops award-winning bass spinner. It's Nice. like, a, oh yes, even when I'm playing with the Boston Symphony, like Boston Pops at Yes. Symphony Hall, it's kind of a little joke, you know, faster and longer than the guys. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm so, too serious for you, Susan Hagen. <laughs> oh, I think you are. That's why I need you to keep me serious. <laughs> But, oh, and there was another thing you were talking about. So the Francois Raboth endpins, one of my students said to me what he liked about it was that it feels like you're sitting the way the bass balances on your body, but you're standing. So he loved not having to carry a stool. But every time I played his bass, I was afraid I was going to drop it because when I stand, I approach the bass a certain way. And when I sit, it it's different and to combine those two but i find that there are some people that love it now there are also some people that sit with the raboth end pin I haven't seen that, but but I have. But the the rubber end pin is um, it is it's, it is like standing and sitting at the same time, which I yeah think is one of the benefits of it. It's i think it's great um, just you're standing, you still got the freedom, you but it feels like you also have the security of sitting. Yeah. And Um, you but know, it's I've funny. seen a friend of mine, Alberto Bocchini. Um, I don't know if he has a, a rubber end pin, but I, I think when he, he plays, he sits on a, a piano stool, really quite Mm. Ah, okay. quite low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting because when they first started to become popular, those Raboth end pins, people in, in Boston were thinking, oh, this is a shortcut so that you don't have to practice as much. Yes, And, yes. and I, I said to a couple of the people that were saying that, I said, is it possible that because, let's be honest, the bass is bulky, it's kind of big and awkward, I love it, but it's a little bit of a beast. What if this is making it physically more comfortable for more people to be playing our instrument and therefore making it better because with more people play it there's the odds of great players increases Exactly. and i don't think it's a shortcut at all i think it's opening the instrument up to people that maybe physically weren't comfortable playing it and now they are Well, François is amazing. He's amazing because he solved all these problems he didn't know were problems. yeah Um, because he didn't have a teacher, he just had a tutor. So he he just worked out how to do it his own way, the best way. Yes. And he discovered this way. And it's amazing how it, it's, 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 the system has gone all over the world. And I'm always a great believer in anything that's new. Um, if it's good, it will survive. And if not, it'll fall by the wayside, as, Exactly. as it always has done. Yes. And I think I think this one is a stayer. I, I think this one is, is there's a lot for this one. I think I'm too old, if I'm honest, to constantly change it. I don't know that if it's if it's that you're too old, it could just be that you're so accustomed to playing the way Yeah, you are. it, it's it's. I'm, I'm sure I could get used to it, but I, I Yeah. think I, at this stage of my life, I think I, You don't I don't. want to. I, I, um, but I can see the benefits of it, and I Yeah. I hear many great players who do it and really swear by it. So it's and anything that, which I think makes our life better and easier is great. I have no problem with with anything. Um, Yeah. Yeah. and standing and sitting, it's it, in the in wow in the 1970s there used to be so many arguments about. Oh, yeah. And it's always from the sitters of why why they were right and everybody else was wrong, and, and I think that's why <laughs> I became a bit more liberal about everything. yeah, yeah. One of my teachers was called Gray, Lawrence Gray, really great chap, and he always said, "Be like me, be gray, not black or white." And There I said, "Yeah, you go. black and white creates wars. The gray Yeah. in the middle, yeah, we all get on." And I always remembered that. I thought, "Yeah," 
and there's space for all of us. Um, and because you want to sit and I want to stand, it doesn't mean either of us is right. Right. We're both right. Yeah, I, I really, I agree with this. I think there's no wrong answer. There's the right answer for you. Yes. And whatever yeah. makes us comfortable well. is great. It's the way to do it. And and I'm a lot like you. I kind of live in the gray because I, well. I don't think that I'm right. <laughs> I think I'm right for me. Yes. I like I like sitting. I like French bow for me. But it doesn't mean I don't play German bow. It doesn't mean I don't stand. It's just this is how I'm most comfortable performing. And I don't try to convert my students to play the way I play. I want to find the way that's comfortable for them and makes them play their best. And right. I kind of think that's the important thing. It's mm. each one of us has a right answer for us. I, I think that's a good way of looking at it. And it's finding what's the right answer for you. Yeah. Um, but I, I still think sitting in the orchestra makes sense. I, I, I think I so. That completely. It it's, think, doesn't make sense to stand for six hours a day. I don't think so. I think it's just hard on everything, your feet included, you know. Exactly. Um, now I'm so old. I, <laughs> well, none of us are getting any younger. So, you know, but I think this is great. So, it, you know, it's not a right answer one way or the other. I think you find what's best for you. And I love it. I think that's great sitting and standing there is no wrong answer i think we've sorted that one out susan hagan perfect david hayes well thank <laughs> you everybody for listening to base talk with hagan and hayes episode three would you like to be our sponsor if so reach out we'd love that and everyone else we would love to meet you again on our next podcast stay well bye <laughs>